This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Childhood vaccinations have clearly saved lives both here and throughout the world, protecting children from serious and life-threatening diseases. But while overall vaccination rates have been high in this country, there remain some groups for which this is not the case. And here to tell us more about this and what can be done about it are Dr. Joseph Domakowski, professor of pediatrics as well as of microbiology and immunology at Upstate Medical University, and Dr. Monica Surya Devra, assistant professor of pediatrics at Upstate Medical University. Both physicians, by the way, have been honored by the Salvation Army's highest civic honor, the Others Award, for showing extraordinary spirit of service to their community in their vaccination outreach efforts. Welcome to you both. Thanks Thank for you. coming Thank you. in. Um, Dr. Domikowski, there are groups of kids who are under-vaccinated in, in this country. Tell us who they are. Uh, well, there are several different groups. We have uh, groups of um, culturally uh, sort of resistant who, who, who basically refuse to have their kids vaccinated on religious grounds? Religious or cultural grounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and what, do, what do we do about that? What, what do you think is causing this besides, if it's a belief system, I understand, but there have been of late kind of trends of parents who feel like there's something in the vaccine that could be hazardous to their kids. So I see those as an even separate group. I see those as uh, philosophical sort of exemptors. Uh, people that, for whatever reason, have decided that the vaccines are either safe or unnecessary for their kids. And when I talk to those families, they have a lot of different reasons that they tell me. And, but, I mean, isn't there a problem with this in terms of the whole herd immunity concept? If, in, in other words, if a lot of people opt out of vaccinating their children for whatever grounds, doesn't it affect all of us? Well, we've proven that it affects all of us because we've experienced very recent outbreaks of vaccine-preventable infections. Why do you think... Some of these people, I mean, I know that there's been this issue of autism, but I mean, I think it's been postulated that perhaps people, parents have not experienced, that generation has not experienced the devastation that some of these really serious diseases like um, polio, for example, could could cause. Uh, agreed. Um, I think not too long ago, we at least had the help of the grandparents that could remind the new parents uh, about what these infections really were. And, you know, we've gotten so far away from many of these uh, vaccine-preventable diseases, at least as a major uh, um, problems, public health problems, that even grandparents now, new grandparents, don't remember what those were, so they can't help educate their kids. So as providers, it's our duty to remind people about what those infections can and do. And are you having any success with convincing people? Well, it depends on the rationale that the parents are giving us for not vaccinating. If they need information and education, we can get them to vaccinate their kids every time. But if they give us sort of philosophical reasons that we can't understand and we don't share that same philosophy, those are the, the more uh, resistant families. So it continues. It's it, something it continues. that's really hard, no hard to combat. How about HPV? I know you were on uh, the show not too long ago. We were talking about the new recommendation for boys as well as girls to be vaccinated for human papillomavirus and the potential for the diseases it can cause. Right. When the, when the HPV vaccines were first approved back in 2006, we were only vaccinating females. Um, but in 2011, the vaccine recommendation was expanded to include boys and young men. And we still see a discrepancy between the percentage of young uh, females and young 
um, boys, young males that are vaccinated. And what's the potential problem with that? With under-vaccinating that population? Well, again, this is a transmittable virus, and that transmittable virus can infect both boys and girls, and once they have, uh, once they have experienced behavior that allows transmission, they can spread that virus. The HPV virus, as we talked about last time, is a cancer-causing infection. I think that's the key, that it really can cause cancer, and this is, prevent this is one way to really prevent it in advance. Dr. Sudhavara, is there, there are also ki poor kids are not getting vaccinated. Right. The kids who don't have money um, or access to resources aren't getting vaccinated. And right. there are two separate reasons why that may be the case. One is access to a vaccine. A lot of families have trouble finding transportation to get to their doctor's office um, or can't take time off from work. And those kids aren't even able to access the vaccine. And there's another group where the family isn't educated enough or doesn't know enough about the vaccines um, and either doesn't know that the vaccine is recommended for their child or is concerned that there are safety issues with the vaccine. And this clearly just adds to that whole concern for the fact that all of those kids, for whatever the reason, are also not getting their full vaccinations. Correct. And also, does that affect or potentially affect our herd immunity, so to speak, or the rest of us? Correct. You have a whole community of children who aren't getting vaccinated either for access reasons or for uh, education reasons. Um, decreasing herd immunity in the community. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen here with Drs. Domakowski and Surya Devera. And uh, we are talking about the need to improve immunization rates in some children in this country. So as you said, we're, these kids who are impoverished are not getting vaccinated properly. Um, you recently published a study on that. Tell us about it. Yes, so what we found looking in previous studies is that the two main reasons why uh, impoverished children aren't getting vaccinated is lack of access to vaccine and lack of education about vaccine. So we uh, wanted to develop a program to improve both access and education to vaccine. So what did you do? So we met uh, families at the Salvation Army who are accessing this community-based organization for non-medical reasons. They were registering for a gift distribution program for their families, and we thought that'd be a great way to access a large number of families with impoverished children. That's very and clever, actually. When you say we did it, tell we, us a little bit more about your team. the study team, which involved two pediatric infectious disease specialists and a health educator and um, mul multiple medical students who helped va administer vaccines. Okay, so after you contacted Salvation Army in this case, what did you do? We met. Uh, we attended the uh, gift distribution registration. It was a two-week period. happened at different sites around uh, Syracuse. And we talked to families individually. We met each family individually. We asked them questions regarding their understanding of routine pediatric vaccines, what their beliefs of the safety and efficacy were of the vaccines, whether they themselves got vaccinated, um, what they thought of each individual vaccine, including flu vaccine. And then after we collected this information, we accessed their child's uh, immunization records in the computer to determine whether their child was vaccine complete or vaccine delayed based upon recent recommendations. So your goal was really to Im improve the vaccination rates, but you, what was the study? In other words, what were you attempting to study? So our study was if we educate the families will that increase their child's vaccination rate? So after we collected our survey information and compared that with the immunization records, we were able to address each family's individual concern regarding vaccine, educate them as to what vaccine the child was due for and how to go about getting those child, 
vaccinations. Now, we mentioned earlier the other populations who are um, not getting vaccinated for other reasons. Did you find some of the same objections when you were interviewing these lower-income families? There were a few families who um, had some philosophical exemptions. Um, however, the majority of the families uh, were able to, to be educated, and once they understood the reasons for the uh, vaccine recommendations, they were more likely to have their child vaccinated. So basically, your, your point of access or your contact point was through the Salvation Army gift program. Correct. And then you identified the families, you engaged in some educational programming, you found out which of their those children, their children, were not being adequately vaccinated, and then what? And then we offered on-site influenza vaccine and pneumococcal vaccine to those eligible. Um, the pneumococcal vaccine was for the children who are less than six, and the influenza vaccine was for any child as well as any family member to show that we really believed in influenza and pneumococcal vaccine in particular. Yeah, why those two? It was in the middle of influenza season, so it was a perfect time to offer vaccine to a community who otherwise would have a harder time accessing vaccine. And uh, pneumococcal vaccine also has been uh, shown to have uh, reduced um, uptake in this particular population. So, so we they were also not getting that kind of vaccine. Much, and is that also crucial in terms of correct. preventing as pneumococcus is one of the most is the most common bacterial uh, cause of pneumonia, ear infections, sinus infections. So in a sense, what what did you find? So what we found was prior to our educational intervention, only 28% of the children were completely vaccinated. In other words, they'd had their full range full, of childhood vaccinations. everything that the ACIP recommended they had completed. ACIP. And, yep. The American Academy? No. It's the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. Oh, okay. That's the group that puts out the recommendations for okay. the vaccine. Yes, and? And the reason why it was only 28% who were vaccine complete was because of the lack of influenza vaccine. Um, when you took out influenza vaccine, 70% of the children had completed all the other vaccines. So what that showed us is that um, the reason why a lot of children are vaccine delayed is because they're not getting their influenza vaccine. So that seems to be the culprit more exactly. than anything. It's interesting because now it's being offered so um, you know widely at supermarkets and um, drugstores as well as doctor's offices. Do you think that's is making a difference or will make a difference? When you uh, go to supermarkets and drug offices and non-medical practices, those are mostly for adults. So it's a harder to find places for children to get vaccinated. You have to schedule an appointment at the doctor's office. If you have multiple children in your family, they may make you come on to separate days. Um, so I found that access to flu vaccine for the children was one big reason why kids didn't get vaccinated. The second reason was because a lot of families are concerned that if children are getting the flu vaccine, we're giving them the flu and that it's just going to make them sick. That was the most common reason for parents to decline flu vaccine. So that was another issue of education. Correct. And so as we educated the families, they became more willing to get their children to receive the flu vaccine. So in summary, what did you find? We found that um, providing vaccine access for the families at a place where they're already accessing other services in combination with individual education to um, help them understand more about vaccine safety and efficacy was effective in increasing immunization rates in this wow. community, particularly with the flu vaccine. So basically, education and access Correct. made the difference with that population. Dr. Demikowski, how do you see the, that factor, I mean, those two factors perhaps influencing, affecting 
you know, other parts, first of all, how does that compare to other parts of the country? Well, well first of all, you know, our, our observation here impressed us so much that we decided to continue to do this uh, each year. Uh, so the collaboration is fantastic, so we're going to continue this uh, as we go forward. With the year. Salvation Army or with other not-for-profit? Uh, with uh, the Salvation Army services. because they are uh, among the largest, at least for um, accessing the children. In Here our, in Central in our New community. York, yeah. yeah, and and I I would um, I would hope that after reading our pediatrics um, manuscript, our, our published research, that and that's other in the, areas what of the journal, country. What journal? What journal could we find that in? It's in pediatrics in August of 2013. Okay, it was published just, yes. just last month. And you're hoping that after people read it? Yeah, we're hoping that as other people that are interested in vaccine delivery and um, under um, utilization of vaccines across in the country, underserved populations, that yeah. they can use this model and either expand it with the Salvation Army or other community-based organizations to allow better delivery of some of these vaccines. So basically, what you're saying is if we can partner with organizations throughout the country, these kinds of organizations, that we might be able to really um, reduce or improve the level of vaccination of children in this country on the whole. I mean, that's what you're seeing. This is a model that you could use in that it, regard. It won't solve the whole problem, but it's one of the steps toward a solution. Very, very good. Well, I want to thank you so much. This has been very, very interesting information, very wonderful research, and it's led to some uh, further uh, program that you're going to offer to our community where everyone will benefit, and hopefully, maybe even throughout the country, people will pick up on this idea. My guests have been Dr. Joseph Domikowski, Professor of Pediatrics, as well as Microbiology and Immunology, and Dr. Monica Surya Devra, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.